Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. This is Brian Kinnison, the voice of OVW and the awkward guy that was uh, crying on wrestlers on Netflix. And you are listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. Listen, Brian, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, man, uh, certainly you were awkwardly crying <laughs> on wrestlers <laughs> on Netflix. And, and it's interesting because it's one of the more popular new shows to come out in 2023. Really a, a, a sleeper hit. It's crossed over outside of just the wrestling bubble. You know, people in general have really enjoyed that show and i'm just elated that you're here on duke loves wrestling because you were a sleeper hit in your own right you ended up being one of the more uh, popular and dare i say one of the biggest baby faces on wrestlers so congratulations man well thanks man i appreciate that um i think it, it's been a very weird couple of weeks <laughs> Um, it is weird watching yourself cry on Netflix and then realize there are probably millions of other people watching the exact same thing. Um, but man, it's been a, a super cool ride. And I don't know about a, a sleeper hit, but I definitely uh, have definitely felt some love. And it's been uh, kind of overwhelming. <laughs> when you think back to when they were recording, because you know we, we've had Layla Gray on, we've had uh, Luke Curtis on, a few other folks who, who have been on the show Tiffany Nieves, who there was just clips of her. They really didn't use much material of her in the first season there. But I know that there was a lot of material that was recorded and a lot of material that didn't make the show. So what was your impression when they were filming? And how does that contrast to the finished product when you watched it for the first time? So, I mean, they filmed a lot. A lot of stuff, uh, and like, and that's kind of like, like you said, I mean, they filmed constantly for a couple months straight, and you know, I still have stains on some of my shirts from the microphone. That's how how often I had a microphone taped to my chest. So it was about a year, a little over a year and change ago that they recorded all that, and then you, you know, as someone who was on the show, we just kind of sat and waited, and we had no idea which part they were going to use. We didn't know if we were going to use the part where we called someone a bad name or if they're going to use the part where we look super cool or if they're not going to use this at all, we're going to be cut from the final product. We, none of us, legitimately none of us had any idea because they filmed so much with all of us that they could have cut one of us out and it wouldn't have changed things really one iota. So it was kind of weird. It was a very weird, uh, let's wait and see sort of thing because they were in our faces. They were in our houses. You know, We grew close to this documentary crew uh, and then one day they were just gone. <laughs> it was a really big rubber band effect. Um, so then we just sat and waited. And then when we, you know, um, obviously when the show finally came out, my wife and I watched it the morning it came out after dropping the kiddo off at school. And it was just kind of surreal. You almost forget you're even watching it on Netflix, especially when you're already in a TV medium and you see yourself and these people on TV all the time. But then you're watching it and you're just watching you and your friends on TV like you had before, but then you realize, oh, wait, this looks exponentially better uh, visually. 
that looked like it was shot on a much better camera. Wait, now we're talking. Wait, now there's emotions. And it's one of those things that kind of, it doesn't hit you at first. It builds and builds and builds. And honestly, I don't think it's still fully hitting me yet. It's a, a documentary. I, I've made the mistake of calling it a reality show. Uh, and, and that's my ignorance there. But the, the more I think about it and the more I, I, I think about the differences between what a reality show is and what wrestlers on Netflix is, this is a documentary. This is an extended documentary series. Um, so I'm going to ask you directly, and, and, and we want the truth here, Brian. We don't play games. We, we, we get right to the heart of it. Sure. Were you portraying a character or was that really you that we saw? Man, if I was portraying a character, I would have picked a better one than me. There <laughs> we go, on, man. I'm in a world of superheroes and supervillains. You think, and this would not have been my first choice of character. Guy struggling to hold on to his job while call, crying at a golf course. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. No, that was all 100 percent shoot. Um, I am that awkward, um, badly timed joke, emotional person you saw on the show. Um, I can't speak to that for everybody because, I mean, obviously, uh, it's Netflix cameras there. People are going to want to put lipstick on a pig, so to speak. And and that was actually one of the final questions Chelsea from the, the doc crew asked me was, you know, Brian, do you think since we've been here, everyone's been completely honest with us and about who they've been and, and honest about who they are? I was like, no, God, no. You came in here and brought cameras more expensive than my entire house. It, it, one camera more expensive than my entire home, and you, you think people aren't going to like crank it up to eleven? These are performers, um, you know. So I can't speak for everybody, and honestly, I don't know what everybody did in front of cameras because, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that's on the cutting room floor. But I can tell you what you saw with me was one hundred and ten percent genuine. Honestly, you, you probably could have seen more awkward and emotional stuff. We could have went further into that. So if anything, I'm more nerdy and more awkward and more emotional than they showed. <laughs> Well, I, I got to say, man, if that's really you, then kudos on your work ethic, first of all. I mean, you legitimately wear a bunch of hats over there in OBW. I knew I do a lot of stuff, and I know that I spin a lot of plates, but I don't think I realized how big of a deal that was until people started reaching out to me after this thing. Because, you know, when you're in it, you're in it. You know, you just do it every day. You know, you, you're you on the writing meetings, you do the graphics, you have to do the website, you do the ticket site, you know, you run to the store and you got to pick up luau stuff and that's for the moment because your heaters, your air conditioning is out and you got to make an excuse as to why it's a little warm. That's why we did luau night, by the way. Uh, we had, we put, we Paul Heyman, if you notice when I was putting up the luau stuff, I had a Paul Heyman moment I was like, well, our AC is kind of on the front, so what do we do? I was like, fuck it, let's do a luau night, use our weakness as a strength. Uh, so... We did luau night, and that's why you saw me set up trees and stuff. But that also came with, how do we do a luau night? What do I pick up? What do I, what, how do I put this together? How do I make it not look chintzy on a really tight budget? And so it just every week it's something different. Um, but I guess when you're in it, you don't really notice that. And maybe I took myself for granted uh, is what I've been told. <laughs> um, but this thing is when you love something, when you, you wrap your life around something, when you're really trying to make something succeed, it doesn't really feel like that. Um, you know, it just feels like you're doing what needs to be done, if that makes any sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And, and one of the things that really stuck out for me is just the fact that, you know, there were moments where you were told that you weren't going to be kept on staff if the live attendance didn't start picking up. I thought that was crazy because I'm saying to myself, well, look, if this guy's doing the website, if he is on commentary, if he's out there 
doing promotions, if he's out there making sure that from a visual standpoint, things are being set up the way they need to be set up properly. Um, you pull that one person out of the mix and a whole lot of things are going to tumble down. So out of, out of anyone, and that's not, you, you know, you hope no one gets pulled out of the mix, but out of anyone, you don't pull out your Swiss army knife. <laughs> you find a way to keep them sharp. You know what I mean? And that's just my, uh, in, in, opinion on that so to speak there but i want to say something because i i have always followed ovw big ovw fan i've always supported ovw through the years and what have you you know al snow is one of the original guests here on duke loves wrestling shout out to al um you folks are on a string of sellouts right now you've been packing the house you have really turned things around in terms of live attendance and buzz and, and, and what have you. And certainly uh, wrestlers on Netflix certainly helps, but you figured it out is the main point here. And, and you know, it's a team effort, but I want to give you your kudos, Brian, because the amount of pressure that was put on you, you in particular, to be the guy to, to somehow make it happen and to know that up to this point today, it's absolutely happening on a scale that hasn't happened probably since you've been there. Uh, kudos to you, man. Seriously, you deserve your flowers for that. Thank you. I, I mean, I really appreciate it. Obviously, I can't really take credit for this. I mean, we don't use the S word. We say good houses. Don't, uh, you know, it's like saying you know, good luck before someone has a show. You guys, they break a leg. Um, but yeah, we've had great houses the last four weeks, and it doesn't seem to be, you know, we don't see that wave breaking and uh, rolling back any time soon, hopefully. But um, I appreciate that. It, I I do feel like um, some marketing efforts paid off beforehand. I mean, j- before you know the doc drop, we were still our houses were uh, up. You know, um, we were getting more and more people in, and um, honestly, a lot of people don't know this, and it didn't get brought on the show. Like pre-COVID, and it's a real testament to Al and the kind of new stuff we were doing. Our numbers were way way up. We weren't like you know selling out like we are but our numbers were cranking up we were and we had sponsors coming in and then covid crushed it but i so yes netflix is a big part of what we're seeing right now but before this we were up ramping up and i think al and the way he's running things and the way we're writing things and at the time we had ovw overdrive which i don't know if you remember that but it was a totally new concept of a show it was like wrestling mixed with the super mario brothers show and people really seemed to be resonating with it um, and I, yeah, so, I mean, I've always helped. I've always, I'm a foot soldier for Al for the, you know, for the most part. Um, but man, it, it's been cool finally seeing all this hard work and effort and blood, sweat and tears that everybody puts in really paying off in the form of people in the seats, cheering their hearts out and giving these people that perform in the ring an audience they deserve. Do you have any advice for anyone who wants to get into the broadcasting side of pro wrestling? I mean, you know, one of the things that I've noticed through the years of doing the show is that oftentimes people like yourself, they find more than one thing to do to keep themselves useful uh, behind the scenes and what have you here. So they're not just a, a commentator. They're not just a backstage interviewer. They're not just one thing, a ring announcer. They're, they're usually wearing multiple hats to some degree. But for anyone who is, is watching wrestlers, is watching OVW on a weekly basis, is paying attention to you. What advice do you have for them who, you know, they may not necessarily ever become a pro wrestler, but, you know, they, they could maybe be the next Brian. 
Oh, you mean shoot higher than that, man. Uh, but, I mean, my... I mean, you say that just to make yourself useful, and I guess I just, that's my, that would probably be my thing, is it was never, I've never done anything at OVW just to make myself useful. Um, you know, I walked in with Steve, we were seating the first week, and that was because it needed to be done. Um, and then we noticed at the time nobody was using social media stuff at all. And, you know, it's a boom period of social media. And so that's why Steve and I stepped up and started doing, you know, online interviews and backstage videos and doing events for so bit where we're giving people stories who didn't have stories because it wasn't being done. It wasn't to be useful. And then when we started, you know, doing the, the videos for TV for, you know, the backstage pre-tapes and stuff, that wasn't, oh, we need to do this so that we're important. Adam Revolver put that on us because we said we could do it better than him because we were doing social media videos already. We walked in and he handed us a camera <laughs> and then we started doing it because it needed to be done because Adam needed to focus on producing. So I guess my big advice would be just don't go in trying to take the place over. Don't go in trying to do anything other than what needs to be done and show that you're willing to do what needs to be done. Like I didn't ever ask to be on the commentary desk. Um, we, Steve and I just kind of happened to end up doing dark matches for a little while. Um, and then Al, when we went backstage, um, he's like, gosh, you can't do that anymore. We're like, why? He's like, because I'm giving you your own show. And then we did overdrive and then pandemic hit and we lost our announcer. And Al's like, well, I guess it's you now, kid. And he just put me in the role. I never asked. So don't go in asking for something. Don't go in trying to be one thing or another. Just do what needs to be done. You know, do a Paul Heyman bit. Yeah, I can do that. Sure, I can do that. Even if you've never done it before, just do it. It might be your thing. I love that. I love that. Do the Paul Heyman. Just uh, <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can learn as you as you apply it, right? That's my favorite. Like, man, I, I that's actually a big thing I'll say. Anyone who's aspiring, go watch. My name is Paul Heyman. His the way he got into the business is kind of how I modeled my approach. And you know, can you can we need this to be done? Yeah, I can do that. Why wouldn't I be able to do that? I do that all the time. You'd be surprised how off, how far that'll get you and how empowering it is. Like, hey, I said I'll do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, good call. Good call. I think Bruce Pritchard is uh, another example of that as well. When he was breaking and he did the same thing, and, and now look where he, he's at. So there's something to it. Uh, Jim Cornette, similar, similar situation there. Something to it, folks. Um, I wonder – because you're you're out there in Kentucky, and, and I've been to Kentucky before. In fact, the craziest thing I ever saw out there, I uh, found a 24-hour Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> and not only not only that, they had a all-day buffet. I've never seen that before. Okay, they had things on the menu like okra. I think it was fried okra that I had never seen at a KFC, at least not out here in, in the Boston area. So I'm like, Jesus, K, you know, Kentucky is wild, man. They got all di- all kinds of different things, including their KFC. <laughs> what's from a from a culinary standpoint? What's your favorite part about being in Kentucky? Is there any types of food that is there that no matter where you go in the world, it can never beat what's happening in Kentucky? Um, okay, there's a handful of those things, and uh, so. Louisville is actually a really big foodie town. A lot of people don't know that, but it is actually ranked one of the nation's top foodie cities. Uh, downtown is just a mecca of options, and then when you start going out St. Matthews and stuff like that, you got a lot of options too. However, myself, um, I, I like myself a little bit more um, 
more of a punky alternative area. We, we live in what's called a uh, Germantown Schnitzelberg area. So it's like a hip part of town so where a lot of hipsters live. So we got a lot of really great eateries around here. And if, if you ever come out to Louisville or Kentucky, that would be where I say you kind of poke around. We got places like uh, The Post, which is some of the best pizza I've ever had in my life. Um, you got some of the best breweries out here. You got a, a brewery called Atrium Brewery, which is doing incredible things with lactose and sours. Um, it's this weird thing where like you have a sour beer, but then they add the lactose to it, so it mellows out the sour, so you're really just getting hit with strong flavor instead. It's incredible. Um, there's a great spot downtown called Repeal, which is, you know, about 10 minutes from Germantown. Uh, the thing is with Louisville, you just got to kind of try the things. There's so many different options that trying to narrow it down to one is impossible. You just got to be like, when you wake up that morning, if you're like, I'm going to, I want barbecue, just Google Louisville barbecue. If you wake up and like, I want pizza, Google Louisville pizza, go past all the Papa John's Domino's and we start seeing local places, uh, you know, in Palace areas, even, uh, just, you're hitting gold. Louisville is incredible for food. I, shame on you for going to KFC, though, Duke. I'm let down. <laughs> well, what do I know? I'm just a Yankee. What do I know? Yeah. <laughs> you just don't, if, if, if the franchise has the state's name in it, don't go to that franchise in that state. Ooh, that's a, that's a good call because, you know, when I think about it, anything that says Boston typically is not something that locals would get. You know what I mean? And I'll take it a step further. Even when I go outside, if I go to different states and I see, you know, Boston pizza or something like that, well, that's like the name of it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> Boston's known for a lot of things. And pizza ain't it. So we're, we're going to we're going to go the other direction here. Uh, that's a good call. That's a good yeah. call, man. Honestly, I'll tell you, Duke, the best KFC I've had has been in an airport. So Ooh, okay. keep that. that's important to keep in mind with KFC. <laughs> oh, that says that says a lot. That says a lot. Now, now. Do I have it right that you're a uh, a dog dad? Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I'm looking at him right now. So, so tell me about the dog here. Uh, so our dog, he's a senior dog. His name is Leeds, and he's a, he's a rescue. So he's got a really – oh, there he comes. He's got a really special kind of love. Um, I don't really – so I, I didn't – full disclosure, he wasn't my dog six years ago. I got him with my wife. Uh, like she came with him, I should say. And that, and I was basically me, her meeting my son was the equivalent to her of me meeting her dog. Um, and he was a real jerk to me for the first little bit. Wouldn't give me the time of day. Would always, you know, take a tree from me, then spit it out and walk away. Like he definitely wanted me to know he didn't like me. Um, and then one day, you know, it was just him and I, and she was at work. And so I was like, I went, I was like, I'm going to try this. And I went face to face as like, Hey, we need to talk, buddy. It's like, I love your mom. And I'm going to be around for a while unless she makes a good decision and gets rid of me. So you and I are going to have to figure this out. I'm going to treat you real good. I'll give you all the treats and rubs, but you got to quit being an asshole. And I kid you not, Duke, legit, after that conversation, he started warming up to me. And we got better and better. And now I honestly could not fathom my life without this dog. I need his weight on my leg when I go to sleep. Uh, you know, I like his little click clacks across the floor. He's very chill. He doesn't bark. It is not his style. I guess it's probably because he's a rescue and he's got a little timidness in him. Um, but he's just, he is just the sweetest guy in the world. Um, and he, uh, the one thing he does do, like as far as noise is concerned, is he'll howl. But he'll only do it when it's with me. And he'll kind of come up to me in the bed and he'll kind of put his paw on my leg and kind of start whining. And I'll, I'll know that, oh, okay, you need to get a little howl out because he's a beagle. But 
Oh yeah, I probably should have said that earlier. He's a chubby beagle. <laughs> I saw pictures and, and, and a cute chubby beagle uh, for sure there. You know, brothers and sisters out there, you, you know that I will take a, a conversation in many different directions, and there's always a reason for it. One of the things about Brian is that he is such a, a detail-oriented person, and he thinks well beyond the surface. So to ask him a simple question about food to eat in, in Kentucky or to ask him about his dog and you see where he is able to just spin the story and take you on the journey and make you feel like you're there. This is the reason why when you watch OVW, you just feel like you're there. Even if you're somewhere on the other side of the world, you're able to feel like you're actually there. You're watching the action. Brian is making sure what he's saying actually matches what you're seeing. So it makes sense, but he's telling the story on top of that. And he's doing it in such a, a vivid, detailed manner that you can't help but pay attention and want to see more. This is why you got to check out OBW. This is why you got to check out wrestlers on Netflix. And this is why you should be following Brian online because legitimately he, he's one of the good guys. He's somebody that you definitely want to root for. Uh, really a solid person there. In fact, Brian, why don't you let everybody know? Plug away. Tell, tell them, start with your social media and what have you. If, if folks want to continue on the journey with you personally, what's the best way they can do that? First, thank you. That was a very, very nice thing you said about me. It got me a little overclimped. So uh, thank you. <clears throat> uh, you can follow me on all the things. Twitter, Instagram. Well, I guess it's called X now. Instagram, Facebook's all at Brian Kennison, B-R-Y-A-N-K-E-N-N-I-S-O-N, which... It frustrates me because some people still spell it brain, which I'm like, one, that's not even right if you're trying to spell brain with an I. But two, you know the word brain, so you know that's not right. But anyway, uh, it, all of those are at Brian Kennison uh, Cameo if you want uh, to hook me you know, want me to tell you happy birthday or tell you sorry about your divorce or congratulations on your divorce or happy wedding or any of that. Just Cameo.com slash Brian Kennison and ProWrestlingTees.com slash Brian Kennison. So I got merch i got the cameo i got social medias and i think that might be all i have <laughs> and what about if they want to catch you at ovw what's the best way that they can watch you there now if you want to catch me at ovw if you want to join us live in davis arena you got to make sure you get your tickets early at ovwrestling.com because we have had packed houses see we've been selling out before the doors even open so make and we got tickets up for the next month so if you want to come make sure you go to ovwrestling.com and get your tickets early uh, if you want to join us live on uh, every week on Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, make sure you tune in on Fight. It's absolutely free. You can download the Fight app and you can watch us every single Thursday. Um, and we got some uh, big, big shows coming up. Uh, if you want to watch us on Pay-Per-View uh, for No Rest for the Wicked, October 21st, that is sold out. We're going to be wall-to-wall with people, but you can buy the Pay-Per-View on fight and people always ask you know how can we support OVW? we want to you want to make sure you guys succeed how can we keep the doors open by the pay-per-view you can also uh, buy tickets to thanksgiving thunder which is our you know special uh, our tuesday night special in november yeah you can come see us uh, december 16th at christmas chaos in louisville kentucky that is going to be our last live show of the year and a pay-per-view on fight so multiple ways there and we might have a special uh, location for that one that's still to be seen, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, t- we'll get there when we get there. Or you can go ahead and buy tickets for the Nightmare Rumble uh, in January. That's going to be our big, big show of the year where we get a women's rumble and a men's rumble to find out who's going to challenge for the OVW Women's Championship and the OVW National OE Championship. So you got a lot of opportunity. If you want to see OVW, just go to your ovwrestling.com. 
and look at all the ways you could see us live and in person. If you come, I'll give you a high five. Fantastic conversation there with Brian Kennison. And I'll tell you, when you interact with a good person, it's clear. There's no question about it. And certainly that's exactly what was going on there. Brian is just a good dude. Great dude. And and certainly, once again, I want to encourage everybody, check out Wrestlers on Netflix. It's just a fantastic, unadulterated, unfiltered look at what it takes in order to run a pro wrestling promotion. In this case, OBW. All the highs, all the lows, all the all the uh, the peaks and the valleys, you know, the good, the bad, and certainly the ugly. And Brian was in the middle of all that, still is in the middle of all that. He's a voice of OVW, but he's so much more doing their social media and, you know, recording things. You heard it all in the conversation. Just jack of all trades, but just a really, really great dude. So once again, thank you, Brian. Folks, we are going to take a short hydration break. And when we come back, I am going to give my opinion of the. AEW versus WWE Tuesday Night War that took place this week. Be right back. Let's talk hydration. See, I carry something to drink with me every single place that I go because I am concerned about being dehydrated. It runs in the family. Everything from dry mouth, dizzy spells, fainting. It's pretty serious. And I've tried all the different types of waters and sports drinks. Let me tell you something right now. Liquid IV. That has been the most efficient at keeping me hydrated and doing so pretty quickly. Okay, Liquid IV has five essential vitamins and is two times faster at keeping you hydrated than water alone. And I'm serious, man. Everything from vitamin C to vitamins B3, B5, B6, B12. Liquid IV also is non-GMO, so it's free from gluten, dairy, soy. So for all you folks out there with food allergies, this may be right up your alley. And I know what you're thinking, but how does it taste, Duke? Well, it tastes pretty good. Okay, we're talking my favorite in pina colada. They also have tropical punch, strawberry, new flavors like sea berry and strawberry lemonade. Huh. You can enjoy this stuff, man. But don't take my word for it. I want you to stop what you're doing right now and head over to liquidiv.com. Use the promo code Duke Loves Wrestling so you get 20% off your entire order. I mean, anything that you order on liquidiv.com. So what are you waiting for? It's time for you to shop better hydration today. Use the promo code Duke Loves Wrestling over at liquidiv.com. Save yourself 20%. Stay hydrated. Most importantly, enjoy life. That's right. Brothers and sisters, on October 10th, it was what some call the Tuesday Night War. I call it Toxic Tuesday. We had AEW Dynamite going head to head with WWE NXT. AEW was bumped from their normal Wednesday nights in favor of the MLB playoffs. So they had to, you know, air on Tuesday instead. And we know Tuesdays is NXT day. So this was head to head. And I'll tell you, both companies, they pulled out the stops. 
you know, Tony Khan made it a Knight of Champions type of situation there. Battle of the Belts, as he calls it. So there were various championships up for grabs. There's actually championships that changed hands on the card. And then on the flip side, WWE, you know, they had legends mix in there. You, you had Cody Rhodes, who ended up hosting WWE NXT for the night. He was a GM for the night. John Cena came out in multiple segments, and he was in the corner of Carmelo Hayes. We had Paul Heyman, who was in multiple segments, and he was in the corner of Braun Breaker. Just a lot of great stuff. LA Knight was there. It just it was it was incredible. Incredible. Uh, you know, AEW, in addition to their normal staff there, they also have some former WWE uh, superstars, legends, future Hall of Famers. You know, the woman formerly known as Paige, a.k.a. Uh, Soraya, Edge, Christian, Chris Jericho. I mean, come on, right? This is what they have. So in my opinion, this was a pretty well-stacked card. NXT kicked off with Asuka who absolutely will be a future WWE Hall of Famer. She um, took on Roxanne in what was really a, a match of the, the year candidate. It was just such a fantastic match between these two ladies and really knocked it out of the park. On the flip side, you had Brian Danielson going up against Swerve, which was another solid match on the other channel. So in terms of the wrestling, you know, it was a lot of decent wrestling that you could sink your teeth into on both channels. And I'm going to I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story because I could give you my perspective. I'm sure you all can guess it <laughs> in terms of the night and, and what I felt was the better of the two programs. But I'm going to tell you from the perspective of someone who is not a a quote-unquote wrestling fan, it's not how they identify themselves, my bodyguard. You know, she tolerates pro wrestling because of me. So she'll listen to the show, and she's been to a number of live events with me. Um, she did watch Total Divas and you know most of Total Bellas, which allowed her to start to understand the, the people behind some of these characters, and, and she was able to follow along. And to this day, she's still interested in the personal well-being and, and success of folks like the Bella Twins and, and Brian Danielson and uh, Soraya. You know, folks like that, She because she saw them on Total Divas and Total Bellas, John Cena, of course, uh, she's interested in, in these individuals, not because of the wrestling, but just because she got a glimpse into their real lives and she found herself liking the real people behind these characters, which is pretty cool. So she said that she wanted to watch what was going to go down on Tuesday. And OK, cool. And she had some some comments that I just felt, you know what, I want to share it with you folks because this perfectly describes what happened and, and what's right and what's wrong with both companies. You know, we were flipping channels and, and really trying to do reference points. Okay, this is happening on, on NXT. Now let's flip over and see what's happening in AEW on Dynamite and compare and contrast. One of the, the many call-outs, let me just go over some of these things here, actually. I'll go over a whole list. Number one, NXT is bright. It's bright. It's lit up. Uh, inviting because of that. 
you're able to see the crowd clearly. You're able to see the wrestlers clearly. There's just, you know, it looks lively. There's bright colors. There's something going on that's naturally pleasing to the eye, right? On the flip side, AEW is dark. It's dank. You know, it's it's smoky. It it feels very exclusive as opposed to uh, inclusive. It feels like something that you really have to be part of the club in order to even feel comfortable being there and even watching, right? That's AEW. It's not clear the entire uh, arena. You don't see everybody or the majority of the arena for the most part. And that's because they're, they're booking venues that are larger than what they're able to draw in terms of... Uh, Fans who even show up, I'm not even going to say paying fans because there's a lot of papering that goes on, but fans that don't even show up for the events. So because of that, there's there's a lot of dark lighting and, and smokiness and things like that. That's on purpose. The dank, as I would call it, that's their vibe. And, you know, for somebody who's not necessarily a wrestling fan, but they will, they are a casual viewer. They will, if they see something they like, they'll stop and check it out for you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a half hour at a time, she felt NXT was far more inviting and, and therefore she was far more engaged because of that. It made her feel comfortable watching. The next call out was the crowd. Just looking at the makeup of the audience for both shows. In AEW, it was mostly white men, period. That's what you saw on TV. When you look out in the crowd, that's what you saw. There's very little diversity. In fact, you had to look hard in order to, to see what you know you would assume are people of color in the crowd. Certainly, there weren't many women in the crowd that you could, you could easily see because it's just a, a whole collection of men, right? And certainly, you didn't see a lot of kids either. On the flip side, <laughs> in NXT, it was just a, a collection of diversity. In the crowd, you saw all different types of races. You saw all different types of genders. You saw people of all ages from young kids to to grandparents and in between. It was very clear that WWE NXT was a family friendly event. Right. Whereas AEW Dynamite, again, very exclusive, not so inclusive. Right. This is this is members only. This is just for the guys for the most part. It's dark. It's dank. It, it's edgy in that regard. And, you know, how is that supposed to attract new viewers? Right. Think about that. So so we got the lighting and we have the crowd. The next call up was the actual wrestlers in the ring. She pointed out when you look at NXT, all you see is diversity all over the ring as far as the performance are, are concerned, right? You see women, you know, you got Asian women, you got, you got Latino women, you got white women, you got, you, you, you see with the men, all different types of, of, of races, you got black, you got white, you got all over the place, people from all over the world, the ring announcer, the referees, the commentators, all you see is diversity. And clearly, the diversity in the ring and part of the production itself translates to the diversity in the crowd. 
it's very easy for the people in the crowd to see themselves, right? And to feel more comfortable and to feel like this is inclusive. So that's why you it's one washes the other, right? One reflects the other, clearly. Now, on the flip side, <laughs> AEW Dynamite, you could literally count on one hand the diversity. You did not see a lot of variation in terms of the actual performers who were on that card. Yes, you 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 know you had a couple, you had a black guy here, you had a, a, a guy in a mask who you assume is a Latino guy there. I had to tell her he's Mexican. Um, you only had one women's match, so there was a lack of diversity in terms of gender. You didn't get much of that, although you did have Tony Storm in different segments on these little. Uh, silent uh, commercials or whatever that was, vignettes. So she called out the lack of diversity in AEW and then said, and, and so what we see again is a, a majority, super majority white men in the ring on commentary. And that translates into what we see in the crowd. So there's no, there's no confusion there what's reflected here and who they're trying to market to and therefore what you have, right? So again, whew, solid call outs here. And then she said, and finally, just the, 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 the lack of variation on the AEW side in terms of the characters. I mean, how do you distinguish one from another? Now, you have certain people. And she pointed out Christian. He, he's, he looks like he's dressed as somebody's father. And then she heard him literally say, I'm everyone's father. So she said, OK, so that makes sense. He's playing into that character. And at least he's cutting a good promo. But he's, he's from the WWE, so he's polished. When you look at the way that Soraya moves in the ring, she looks like she's moving with purpose. There's polish there. Plus, she, she was following her from Total Divas, so she you know she's very interested in what's going on with her, right? But when you look at the Bullet Club, before these guys even open their mouths, how do you distinguish them? What are their characters? Can you understand their characters? Does that translate just by looking at them? No, <laughs> it doesn't. And that goes for most of the AEW roster, unfortunately. Whereas in NXT, and, and this is what she said, she said everyone clearly has a character. There's no question about it. Everyone I see on the TV, I don't have to listen to them talk. I could just, even if I'm seeing them for the first time, I understand, okay, that person is, is you know, portraying some type of character. It's easy to understand. Cool. There it is, right? Very interesting, very interesting uh, observances there that it translates. And it's ironic because this is the stuff that I've been calling out all along, Tony Khan. I've been trying to tell you your lack of diversity and equitable diversity is stunting your ability to grow that company. I've been saying this over and over again. Well, here you have a person who's not a quote unquote wrestling fan, but they're a casual watcher, casual viewer, right? She's purchased wrestling um, T-shirts and things like that. So she's actually spent money on pro wrestling. She's certainly purchased pro wrestling uh, items for me for, for gifts and things like that. So this is somebody who'll spend money, not just watch here and there if something catches her eyes, but she'll spend money. So... How how do you hook a person like that? How do you how do you make a person like that interested? If there's nothing else on TV, 
they know that they can turn to your program and put that on in the background and, and look up every now and then while they're doing work or reading or what have you, at least they're being a, somewhat of a viewer of your product. How do you hook that person? You certainly don't do it by being exclusive. It just doesn't work, man. It does not work. And I'm going to tell you, it was reflected in what was reported as the ratings. And folks, you know, I've been a person who has been on top of this from the very beginning. The Nielsen ratings are inaccurate. They they do not accurately provide information on black and brown households. That's why they had lost their accreditation for a, a, a while there. It was like a, over a year, or close enough to it, because they just do not do a good job of gathering that information. And when you have a situation where with an AEW where they don't do so well in black and brown households, whatever their number is, it's like, oh, yeah, sure, they can tout that. Oh, yeah, that's that's probably as close to accurate as you're going to get from that measure. Right. But on the WWE side, where they over index in black and brown households, <laughs> you're, you're missing a lot of data. There's, a, there's far more people watching their programming than what the quote unquote ratings would say. With that said. What was reported is that over 900,000 people watched WWE NXT. Meanwhile, just over 600,000 people watched AEW Dynamite. So that tells you, I mean, same fans who have the option of watching one show or the other, and more people chose to watch WWE NXT. That is is not good. (laughs) Because let's face it. That's WWE's developmental brand. And yes, The Undertaker showed up. And yes, Cody was there. Cena, Asuka, LA Knight popped in. Yeah, sure. But again, you have all of these WWE legends who are on Dynamite, right? You could not hook more people with with Adam Copeland and and Christian and and Soraya? Really? Swerve and, and, and Danielson. Danielson is main evented two WrestleManias. You couldn't hook more people. Something's wrong with that. And you got to ask yourself the question, why? Why are people not as interested in our programming when we have that caliber of talent? Never mind the fact that you have young, hungry upstarts like Powerhouse Hobbs, who legitimately should be, um, he should be challenging for the championship and he really should be champion. At this point, I mean, there's, there's no way that a guy like MJF and Powerhouse Hobbs, you put them side by side. No one's going to believe that MJF should be champion uh, as opposed to Hobbs, who just looks incredible, right? Come on. So we have a situation where Tony Khan has once again painted himself into a corner. And I'm going to tell you something. I've been saying that the only thing that's going to save him is to morph into Mr. McTony or, or Mr. McCon, where he, he just needs to be the evil boss and portray that character on television, right? Now, here's the problem. I think Tony took my words uh, and, and missed the part about portraying a character on TV because he's been online tweeting a bunch of nonsense, cussing at, at uh, Triple H in, in, in uh, HBK, calling them ball-headed a-holes, and, and he didn't say a-holes. He actually cursed, saying all kinds of crazy stuff. You got to look at his Twitter feed to see. Tony's been having what a lot of people believe are, is a meltdown, which, you know, it's in line with the way he conducts himself. 
I've, I've been on the receiving end of some of his antics, so I can attest Tony can, can be a little rambunctious at times when he gets spirited, but also he, he moves before he thinks. So unfortunately, Tony's usually wrong in his approach on how to deal with things in that regard. Um, I think it would be cool if Tony was p- portraying a character on television and he was acting like the evil boss and creating some type of angst against you know wrestlers or or a particular wrestler who you know like a stone cold Steve Austin type whether that be Moxley could be could be MJF could be Swerve or Powerhouse Hobbs could be Ricky Starks right where he's doing everything in his power Tony the evil boss to prevent them from succeeding and then they have to fight against the system and find a way to 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 work around him in order to succeed that could be interesting and compelling television but Tony, unfortunately, can't get out of his own way. He's spending far too much time booking nonsense. No greater nonsense than what we saw w- between the Bullet Club and MJF, and specifically Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson had a roll of quarters, which he wrote Friedman on, and making references to using it against MJF, which MJF is Jewish. So here we go. We're playing into racist stereotypes and what have you. And MJF even told a story weeks ago about people who used to throw quarters at him and stuff because he was Jewish. So there's, there was a build to this. No question about it. But here's the problem. Who's in charge here? Who's in charge? Because at this very moment, we, we got Israel and Palestine. They're engaged in a war with each other. And you're over here playing these these racist tropes and stereotypes and what have you on your pro wrestling show? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Tony, what are you doing? Like, seriously, what are you doing, Tony? All controversy is not good controversy, man. And that certainly wasn't the button to push. And MJF's trying to play uh, damage control, saying that, you know, this story is... He's going to stick up for everybody who's ever been marginalized and all this other nonsense. Let me tell you something about this guy, MJF. This is the same guy who compared slavery to the Holocaust in an attempt to say that the Holocaust was somehow um, worse than slavery. He's trying to, to diminish slavery, which what a stupid comparison. What a stupid thing to even do, trying to pit two things against each other. What a stupid thing to say, right? This is MJF, and this is what he tweeted out in real life. Right. This is not a character. This is him in real life carrying on in this way. He's going to stick up for everybody who's ever been marginalized. That guy. Stop it. Stop it right now. And you, and you can check out our friends over at Strictly for the Culture. Uh, as they eloquently point out, they keep receipts. If you want to see some of the MJF antics, just so you understand, this is a guy who's not all there. This is a guy who puts his foot in his mouth all the time. He has some issues. You know, I, is he racist? He, one would have to ask that question based on the way that he he's put stuff out there. He's also been recorded saying the N-word. You, you make of that what you want. He's tweeted the N-word. Maybe not recorded. I want to I retract that. I've seen tweets of him saying the N-word. So, you know, this is MJF. So what's his deal, right? But he's going to stick up for everyone. <laughs> I don't know about that. Anyway. I think um, AEW's in trouble, man. 
they're in trouble. There's no question. Everybody can try to put a, 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 a happy face on and try to pretend. No, they're in trouble. This is a company that still hasn't gotten a new TV deal. We don't know if AEW is going to be airing uh, first run new programming in 2024. We don't know that to be a fact yet because Warner Brothers Discovery has not signed them to a new deal and no other television company has signed them to any deal either. You got to imagine doing a stupid storyline where you're getting into racist tropes and what have you, that's probably not the way you're going to land a new TV deal. Ignorant, foolish, (laughs) ridiculous. Meanwhile, WWE, they had The Undertaker come out in the last segment. Last thing you saw was was The Undertaker choke slamming um, Braun Breaker and letting him know. You know, you young fella, I, I've been watching you and I see that you got your thing going on. But just understand, no matter how big and bad you think you are. There is an older, bigger, badder entity right around the corner. And that was WWE letting AEW and Tony Khan in particular understand, hey, man, no matter what you think you can do, <laughs> you can't compete with us, brother. We're bigger and badder than you. You know, no matter no matter how much our ex talent you have on your show, we have bigger stars here. And if we go head to head, people are going to choose our bigger stars over our former stars that you have. And yes, our former stars could beat the developmental kids that we have because these kids are still learning. But star for star, you're never going to match us. It's not going to happen. That was WWE's statement. I'm paraphrasing, but that was the point that they were making there. So you got to ask yourself. What is Tony going to do? You got to stop trying to out WWE, WWE, and instead do your own thing. I know it's crazy. I know it's difficult, but (laughs) that's the only way you're going to survive, man. I mean, Jesus Christ, Tony, while women of wrestling is kicking your butt, right? While women of wrestling, they've continued to increase and grow their audience they're, they have 100% penetration out there because they're on CBS networks. So everybody can watch Wild, Wild Women of Wrestling if they want to. They continue to grow the audience. They're doing better numbers than Rampage. And some weeks they're doing better numbers than Collision. That's, that's AEW's number two and number three shows. And they put stars on those shows. This is all women's promotion, but you know what WoW Women of Wrestling, you know what they do best? Their own thing. (laughs) Imagine that. They're not trying to be WWE. They're not trying to be anybody else. They're just, they're being WoW Women of Wrestling and it's working. So I say all that to say this. We want AEW to survive. We want AEW to last. It can't happen with Tony Khan continuing to run the company the way that he is. I'm going to say it like I've been saying it all along. You got to get people and you already have them in the company. So you have to allow the people, the bright minds who've already been there and done that many times over. You got to allow these folks to help you write better storylines, develop better characters, train your wrestlers and put on a better television product that can attract more than just a bunch of white guys sitting around in a mostly empty, dank poorly lit, smoky arena. That is just not how you're going to succeed. 
Good luck to that. Duke Loves Wrestling on Facebook, on Twitter. Duke Loves Wrestling at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. <laughs> now, a lot of people are going to, you know, it's, it's not even so much that people are disagreeing with me. I, I, I've, I've come to realize this. You're not disagreeing with me so much, the folks out there who take issue with what I have to say, especially when I talk about AEW and its challenges. The frustration is the fact that I'm saying that what you want to be the quiet part, I'm saying it out loud. And the frustration is what I'm saying has continued to be proven to be true. Like there's no question about what I'm saying. Yeah, that's it's the truth. You can see it. It's clear. Boom. Look at it. <laughs> Can't miss it. Right. People get frustrated over that because the, in, in their opinion, and they, I, they've said it. And people said this to me privately. They've said it publicly. They, as they're trashing me and demanding that I be canceled, they've said, we don't want AEW to go away. And if you keep saying that, then, you know, it's going to hurt them. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. They're providing a product. We are the consumers. We have to let them know when the product is not good enough. And we have to be specific about what's not good enough about it and where they can improve. There's nothing wrong with that. You do that in every other aspect of your life. So what makes Tony Khan and AEW different? I don't want AEW to go away. Got a lot of great folks over there. Some who've been on this show. I want them to succeed. I want them to continue to be out there. I want them to continue to provide an alternative to other wrestling out there, including WWE. Because I can watch it all. (laughs) I love wrestling. Duke loves wrestling, right? But when you insult our intelligence by providing a product that's just nonsense, and then you try to turn around and act like everything is cool, I got a problem with that. That ain't going to work for me. And that shouldn't work for you either. Don't be afraid to speak up and let them know. Because, you know, whether Tony likes it or not, if that company's going to survive, he's going to have to make the changes that we keep pointing out. He's going to have to do it. We're going to have to see more women, not just one women's match. We're going to have to see multiple women's matches on the television programming. We're going to have to see more people of color who are threats to the world championship. And eventually we're going to have to see people of color who are holding the world championship. There's no question about it. So, Tony, (laughs) you've been kicking and screaming for, for years now. It's time to finally just do the thing that ultimately is going to help save your company. It's not that difficult, man. I don't know why you're being so uh, stubborn about it. It's ridiculous. Anyway, once again, shout out to our friends over at OVW. Great folks there. In fact, you know what? I'm going to have Tiffany Nieves. She is now the Mission Pro Wrestling Women's Champion, and she is the OVW Women's Champion, so she needs to come back on the show. Tiffany, I'm challenging you. Come back on Duke Loves Wrestling. I gave you your first podcast interview Let's get an update because you are tearing it up out there. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Listen, folks, as always, be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. 